Welcome. My name is Esther van Rijswijk and I'm your host in this podcast that is brought to you by BlackRock as part of a series on climate-aware passive investing. Now, according to the latest UN IPPC climate reports, the consequences of global warming and the interconnected damage to existential natural systems are worsening by the day. According to the report, it is not too late to act though, even though the consequences of global warming are already visible. My guest today is Lucas Tomasello. He is an associate at BlackRock's team on sustainable index investing. He says that passive asset managers can and should play an important role in a green future, but a major challenge is to assess the real impact companies have on the environment. We'll talk about the urgency of building sustainable passive investment products and BlackRock's approach to this. So welcome, Luca. Thank you very much, Esther. Uh, nice to speak to you and, and hi, everyone. Yeah, as an introduction, I have four really short questions that you may only answer with a maximum of three words or a simple yes or no. Will you do that? Yes, let's let's try it. Complicated, let's try. but I'll try. <laughs> okay. First one. When it comes to nature, what do you enjoy most or what is your favorite piece of nature? I'd go with mountain peaks, whether snowed or or non-snowed. Where do you live? Well, I live in London at the moment, but I'm a big mountain person. So I love skiing and I love uh, climbing up mountains. So that's my natural choice, I would say, when I when I have a chance to get away from the city. Okay. From the following options, what do you personally do to lower your carbon footprint? Eat less or no meat? Limit the number of flights? Buy secondhand jeans? Or something else? Definitely eat less meat, but also recycle and try to not go overboard with purchases that I don't actually need. I would like to get an agree or disagree from you on the following statement. Passive investors can't claim to contribute to a carbon neutral economy because it is impossible to conduct proper research on all the companies in a broader index. I'd say disagree. I thought so. We'll get back to that question later. And last one, which continent or country will accomplish a net zero economy first? Continent, I would say Europe. Um, country, I'd have to go with one of the Nordics. i go Norway because they have massive uh, renewable energy production already at capacity. Okay. Now let's dive into... Um, uh, sustainability and net zero and the relevance for investors. Why should investors consider the impact on climate when selecting investments? Well, it's demonstrated that climate risk is investment risk. So anything that relates to that notion of climate change having an impact uh, on, first of all, our lives and our society, but then obviously as a consequence also on uh, investments and companies that are affected by it. Uh, whether it's physical or transition risk uh, that affects them, then it's something you want to take into consideration uh, when choosing your investment. And I think this is something that has quickly changed in the span of two years, uh, going from something that was a notion uh, not really explored to something that now it's mainstream and widely accepted. Climate risk is investment risk. Okay, so maybe before it was a moral question, mainly, but you say now it's really an investor's business case because there's risk involved. Well, it is always, it should be a moral question in the sense that this affects 
all of us and especially future generations. So our planet is something that we should take care of. But from an asset manager perspective, from BlackRock perspective or uh, for, to our clients' interest, uh, it's, it's in our best interest to take into account such risk in order to uh, make sure that our investments uh, are in line and can reduce uh, those risks associated with climate change. So on a portfolio level, what does climate-aware investing mean? So on a portfolio level, it means integrating your portfolio products that take into consideration how to reduce those climate risks and the climate consideration made by um, organisms like the IPCC uh, into financial instruments. So it means to create a portfolio that is resilient to climate change via products uh, and choices that take into account and have the data to take into account the risk and the rewards, actually, that come with the climate change. Now, you use Paris-aligned benchmarks for to do that. Uh, what are they and how do you use them? Paris-aligned benchmarks are a regulatory benchmark developed by the EU Commission uh, and their work on, uh, obviously, climate change. Uh, they are defined as a set of indices with specifically three bigger uh, set of rules. On one side, you have um, screen on controversial business activities uh, that aim to reduce exposure to those activities, such as controversial weapons, tobacco producers, and specifically also uh, fossil fuel uh, extraction and production and energy generation for fossil fuel. Then you have obviously the main part of the strategy, which is a a decarbonization target, uh, 50% uh, initial decarbonization at inception versus a parent index, uh, and then a 7% minimum year-on-year decarbonization uh, to achieve uh, ideally net zero in 2050. And then a very important element, the transition element of the index. So by EU regulation, is required that sectors which are now classified as high climate impact, so the most polluting sector, more emitting sectors, are not aggregatively underweighted um, in these strategies compared to the benchmark. This is to guarantee the fact that everyone is taking into consideration in the transition and we're not leaving uh, some specific sectors behind in that sense. How do you use them? Uh, I would say you use them uh, when you want um, to make sure that your portfolio, rather than just reducing emissions um, at inceptions, is decarbonizing through time. So when you want to see progression in terms of uh, emissions and you want to align to net zero strongly, that's the kind of product uh, that you would want to go to. Now let's look at sector allocation and how it's influenced by climate-aware investing. You already mentioned the different sectors. Can you show how climate-neutral investing affects the sector allocation? Well, obviously, inherently, there are some sectors which are more exposed uh, to climate change. Those sectors normally are energy, utilities, materials, and industrial. So the bigger emitting uh, sectors, those sectors would be normally underweighted in such uh, indices as a Paris Align Index, but without excluding them completely in order to make sure that they can be part of that transition story. So I would say in terms of sector allocation, you can expect uh, significant underweights to those ones which are higher emitters with a weighting on the positive side towards sectors which are more 
climate friendly, such as, for example, telecommunication or financials. Global warming, it's in the name, is a global problem. How does climate aware investing uh, affect regional asset allocation? It does in a sense that we would like to have allocation for all um, geographies. What at the moment is a challenge is the data behind the, re- the climate research that allows us to create these funds uh, and this benchmark. There's obviously more disclosure and more data availability in regions such as Europe and the USA. Uh, there's less data availability uh, in regions such the emerging markets. Uh, therefore, it's a bit more challenging when um, trying to build such an index in those geographies compared to uh, the what's normally called developed markets. Uh, but uh, the feeling is that in a couple of years, uh, those regions will also be up to speed in terms of data would allow us uh, to bring the strategies uh, on a broader scale. Okay. I realize now that I want to uh, go back for a moment to the, the sector allocation, because you can think, well, there's an underweighing of the energy sectors, as you explained. You don't want to take them out completely, but they're underway. But then again, a lot of things need to happen there. So they will need the money and the investment as well. So doesn't that kind of slow down the transition then? You don't want to, doesn't necessarily slow down the transition as much as um, incentivize companies which are not taking measures already to change their energy mix and their energy allocation. Uh, companies which have already taken step uh, towards producing more renewable energy will be um, included in the index. Um, so it sends a message, I would say, out to the other companies which have not yet taken such action that that's the direction to go. That's, I would say, the the angle to take it from. Yeah, it's incentivizing them, actually. Okay. Exactly. An often heard critique on passive strategies based on net zero indices is that there's no way that you can check or verify the real environmental impact of all the companies in the index. Now, in other words, the net zero indices, some people may say, are just paper tigers. How can you measure and really verify the impact those companies make? Well, I think this statement is not entirely entirely true. There's always a way to measure uh, the impacts these companies are making. There's a lot more data disclosure uh, nowadays. Um, Two years ago, it would have been very difficult uh, to create indices uh, such as this one and products such as this one because the data was not available, but has progressed so fastly that now we're able to measure at issuer level, at fund level, what the actual changes uh, that these companies are making uh, are bringing in terms of of value, um, and this is only going to get better with time. Uh, it's going to become something more and more common to put in place metrics such as carbon intensity, implied temperature rise, uh, exposures, and new ones that can measure and actually help us uh, identify what this company do good and this company do bad. Um, and let's not forget also that the, I would say, impact product by uh, nature, so green bonds, are designed so that you can effectively measure their uh, return in terms of uh, impact investing. Uh, so I think there's there's a lot, still a long way to, to go to be precise, but we, we've come a long way and we now have the data to measure such impacts. So you could say that this is all built on not really a data revolution, 
Correct. Yes, I think in the if you're looking at sustainable investing in general in the last seven to to ten years, there's been a lot of improvements in data quality, data disclosure, and anything uh, that can help you effectively measure what you're doing and and this the impact that you're having on a sustainable level, um, and therefore helps us to understand how to create better products uh, and how to measure uh, those sort of metrics better. Both on the index, you can measure everything and you know everything or the benchmark, but also then on a portfolio level. Correct, yes. On a portfolio level, obviously, you will have an aggregated view of what your uh, singular funds uh, are, but you're just translating the same metrics uh, that you're using for the fund at the portfolio level. Okay. Let's dive into the, well, I could say very turbulent times we're living in with a war going on in Ukraine. The geopolitical balance of powers are under pressure. In its recent outlook, BlackRock described and analyzed the current global tensions and the challenges and concluded that it may have a positive influence on the energy transition. Can you explain how that works and what it means for investors? Well, obviously, we all know what the issues are with the Russian-Ukraine um, war um, at the moment. The energy security has become a main factor, uh, especially on the European market, but then reverberates uh, on the global one because of the huge amount of energy that European economies use uh, in their production. Therefore, uh, the lack of imports of Russian gas and the need to move away from such imports from a geopolitical standpoint of view force uh, European countries to move toward more investment uh, into clean energy and renewable energy. Uh, Therefore, this is bound to have um, a positive impact on climate and on transformation of the uh, energy sector in the future. Yeah. The United States under President Biden shifted from trying to become the leader in energy transition to surging oil and LNG production. So at the same time, that's happening as well. How does that translate into the index or portfolios? Well, we have to um, remember, as we said before, um, oil and gas are taken out, but are taken out at different thresholds. Um, so gas, as also pointed out by the European Union, is the fuel of choice for the transition uh, to clean energy. So the phasing out will probably be mostly obviously coal, then oil and gas will stay there as a transition fuel. So uh, what we're seeing happening with U.S., uh, surging export of LNG, mostly to Europe, to cover up those uh, lacks of uh, imports uh, from Russia, uh, is going to translate in the portfolio probably um, with um, oil and gas companies, which, as we said, had already made some improvements in terms of uh, renewable energy production, um, staying in the portfolio, um, and the ones that are currently not well-positioned uh, for the situation remaining out. Obviously, this also depends on their energy mix and what, how much LNG and how much oil and what type of oil they are they're bringing into the energy mix. Yeah, you said in, in, in the first questions I asked you in the beginning, and I asked you what continent or country will be uh, the first to reach net zero. You said Europe, and if it has to be a country, it will probably be Norway. Is the gap between Europe and the US now widening? 
I think the U.S. obviously has had four years of Trump administration, which did not contribute strongly um, to their efforts on climate change. Uh, the Biden administration prior to the Russian invasion of Ukraine was uh, trying to rectify this, uh, but definitely Europe uh, is better positioned because there's a consensus agreement uh, amongst all countries that that's the direction uh, in which things have to go. So I, I would say there is still significant gap in terms of policies and also background um approach to renewable energy between between Europe and uh, and the US. Yeah, with the war in Ukraine being a very bitter incentive, of course we have to mention. Definitely, yeah. yeah. No nobody nobody wishes for wars for things to change. Yeah. Um but I guess in this case you're trying to to take the Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Positive outcomes. Well, um there are some in this case, yeah. Okay, Luca, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much, Hester. This episode was brought to you by BlackRock as a part of a series on climate-aware passive investing. Would you like to know more about BlackRock's advanced solutions for climate-conscious investing? Please visit blackrock.com. Thank you so much for listening. Risicowaarschuwingen. Beleggingsrisico. De waarde van beleggingen en de opgebrachte inkomsten kunnen variëren. Het is niet zeker dat u uw persoonlijke inleg terug ontvangt. Dit is een marketinguiting. In het verleden behaalde resultaten geven geen betrouwbare indicatie van het huidige of toekomstige rendement... en dienen niet als enige criterium te worden genomen bij de selectie van een product of strategie. Veranderingen in de wisselkoersen van valuta's kunnen ertoe leiden dat de waarde van beleggingen stijgt of daalt... Deze schommelingen kunnen bijzonder sterk zijn bij een fonds dat blootstaat aan een hogere volatiliteit. En de waarde van een belegging kan plotseling en zeer sterk dalen. De fiscale regelgeving waaraan beleggingen onderworpen zijn en de hoogte van een belasting kunnen in de loop der tijd wijzigen. BlackRock kan op elk moment besluiten een fonds niet langer aan te bieden. Belangrijke informatie. Deze podcast is alleen bestemd voor professionele beleggers volgens de MIFID-richtlijn. Andere personen dienen niet op de hier geboden informatie te vertrouwen. Alle in deze podcast vermelde researchgegevens zijn verstrekt door BlackRock... en kunnen door BlackRock inmiddels voor eigen doeleinden gebruikt zijn. De resultaten van dergelijke research worden slechts incidenteel verstrekt. De hier geuite visies vormen geen beleggingsadvies en kunnen aan verandering onderhevig zijn. Ze weerspiegelen niet altijd de gezichtspunten van een bepaalde onderneming binnen de BlackRock Group of van een afdeling daarvan. En de juistheid ervan kan niet worden verzekerd. De hier geuite meningen zijn van datum van publicatie en kunnen veranderen als de onderliggende omstandigheden wijzigen. Deze podcast is uitsluitend bestemd ter informatie. Het vormt geen aanbod of uitnodiging om te beleggen in een van de fondsen van BlackRock en is niet opgesteld in verband met een dergelijk aanbod. Copyright 2022 BlackRock Inc. Alle rechten voorbehouden. BlackRock is een geregistreerde handelsnaam van BlackRock Inc. en haar dochterondernemingen in de Verenigde Staten en daarbuiten. Alle andere handelsnamen zijn van de respectievelijke eigenaren.